0: Welcome everybody to episode seventeen of We Effed Up. I'm Teresa. I'm Cody, and we're here to tell you about times in history when we effed up. Uh, what are we talking about today, Cody?
1: Today we're talking about the Johnstown Flood.
0: Johnstown Flood. Okay, where is Johnstown?
1: Johnstown. It's in Pennsylvania. It's in Western Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, for a little bit of background,
0: what, what like, like border of Ohio? Pennsylvania? Um, I'm
1: going to get into that.
0: Oh, okay. Cool. Not Jonestown.
1: Not Jonestown. No. Lord, no. That is something else entirely. This doesn't
0: have anything to do with Jim Jones. No, it does not. Well, I'm out then. I was told this is Jonestown. I'm leaving my post as host of this podcast because it's not Jonestown. Well,
1: that's too bad you're stuck.
0: Well, I love a good true crime. Is this about crime?
1: No. Well crime was committed.
0: On purpose? No. Okay. All right. Criminal
1: negligence, let's say.
0: Okay. Well, continue with this secondhand Jonestown, I guess. Well,
1: before Jonestown, so I don't know if it would be secondhand, but... Oh, okay. And it, but Fair. Anyways. It anyway, <laughs> uh, in the mid-19th century, uh, western Pennsylvania became a center for the exploding steel industry.
0: Right, right. Steel uh, City. Pittsburgh is Steel City.
1: Exactly. Uh, many prominent businessmen became wealthy at this time from this trade, like Andrew Carnegie. E-
0: yeah, easy peasy. Uh, of yeah. course, they had all of the reasons to become super rich mm-hmm. from this.
1: Uh, especially this was a time when uh, steel was demand for steel was skyrocketing uh railroads are being constructed so steel was in high demand
0: buildings tall buildings
1: yeah it's a little bit before skyscrapers but like yeah, you know, buildings are being built sturdier and steel
0: and we're like figuring out other stuff we can do with steel we're, we're like we've got so much of this what could we possibly do with it yes all sorts of stuff
1: um while pittsburgh was the center of the industry other west other western pennsylvania towns also became important industrial centers okay um A lot of times, manufacturing things made from steel. Okay. Um, One of these was Johnstown, uh, which had been founded in 1831, about 56 miles east of Pittsburgh.
0: Okay. So So it's about five and a half hours away from us. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, Johnstown was located at the confluence of the Stony Creek and Little Conemaugh Rivers.
0: Oh, it's a great place to put a steel mill. Yeah,
1: which came together to form the Conemaugh River. Mm Mm-hmm. the town became an important stop on the canal and later railroad routes westward.
0: Of course. So, sure. Um, Last stop before Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah. Uh, and by 1860, Johnstown's um, Cambria Iron Company was the largest steel producer in the United States.
0: Dang. Okay. Yeah.
1: So pretty, pretty important town. Sure. Uh, it's beginning to grow exponentially because all these workers are coming in. Around this time, you have a lot of... Uh, German and Irish immigrants coming into the country. Mm -hmm. Cheap labor right there. Right. We need more hands. And they're
0: already here on the East Coast.
1: Yeah. Uh, So they just pop over the Appalachian Mountains. and Just follow the railroad. That's all they got to do. The the town's location just west of the Allegheny Mountains made it prone to flooding. Mm -hmm. Uh, As part of the original canal system uh, built by the state... Uh, the South Fork Dam was constructed between 1838 and 1853 in order to control flooding.
0: Interesting. We have a similar problem here. Yeah. Although it's not because we're west of the Appalachian Mountains, or the Allegheny Mountains, you said. Yeah. Yeah, it's not because we're west of any mountains. It's just because we have a ton of rivers.
1: Yes. And we learned our lesson. So. Yeah. Um. Uh, the South Fork Dam, it was an earthen dam about 72 feet high and 931 feet long.
0: So it's not even that high of a dam. No. Okay.
1: Um, with a spillway to release excess water when the reservoir was full, as well as cast iron discharge pipes. Like, sure,
0: yeah.
1: You know, standard dam. Uh, the reservoir was named Lake Cotamaw. Uh, the lake was about two miles long, one mile wide, and was about 60 feet deep at the dam.
0: So not... not a- Particularly large lake necessarily, no.
1: but crucially, it was about 450 feet higher in elevation than Johnstown. Oh boy! Yeah, and I'm um, gonna. I'll, I'll show you that later. Okay. Um. So uh, after after the advent of railroads, the canal system became obsolete, and was so, and the land and the uh, infrastructure was sold off by the state to various private interests. Okay. Uh, the dam and the surrounding area were purchased by Congressman John Riley in 1875.
0: Like you do, yeah. As uh, a Congressperson, I, you I, get interests in commodities that directly affect the American people. Yes. But which real you shouldn't do. But.
1: No. Uh, Riley made the decision because he, he he bought this land to flip it. Essentially, he thought it was going to appreciate in price.
0: Flippers be flipping. Yep. Uh, even back then. Yep.
1: Uh, but he made the decision just to make an extra buck to sell the discharge pipes for scrap. Okay. Leaving the spillway is the only way to reduce Lake Kodama's water level.
0: Okay. Is he that forever?
1: No. We're we're about to get to him.
0: Wow. How is that not an F up? We'll see. Okay. We'll
1: see. All right. Uh, Riley sold the property to local businessman Benjamin Ruff in 1879.
0: R U F F?
1: R U F F. And he is our effer upper.
0: Oh, like Ruff McGruff.
1: Yep, rougher the effer upper. <laughs> uh, and that's that's all rough. Mm, he
0: looks like. I say this about two main people, but he kind of looks like Rasputin. I'm going to. It's, it's the beard. In uh, headcanon, and that's Rasputin.
1: <laughs> okay, sure. If you- Rasputin. Res-
0: well, I don't remember when Rasputin was supposedly. Like- he would have been live at this time. Okay. Well, he came here, became a <laughs> engineer, or what if it was He's what is not an guy? engineer,
1: but well, well, I'm going to get to that.
0: Well, Rasputin was apparently well versed in dams.
1: But this guy wasn't, so no. <laughs> no, um, yeah,
0: that, no, that tracks because it's Rasputin. Anyways, enough, all the bad, of Ra- enough of Rasputin. All the bad guys in the world are just Rasputin in different costumes and wigs. <laughs>
1: Look at it's him. Someone bin Laden, Rasputin.
0: Oh, okay. I <laughs> know. Uh, That's not funny.
1: <laughs> Said all the bad guys.
0: How do we know that Osama bin Laden? <laughs> you were about to ask him how a,
1: this Osama is bin Laden a, was a bad guy. This is a complicated you? Si- situation. <laughs> you this were com- about to ask if he was a bad guy.
0: <laughs> well, it's a complicated situation because the United States has a lot of responsibility for. Creating the economic situations that caused radicalization in the Middle East.
1: Some i is a bad guy.
0: That I mean, yes, that is the official but...
1: policy of this podcast.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, well, anyway,
1: Benjamin Ruff. Back Cody to the, doesn't speak for me. Back uh, to the, the subject official, at
0: hand. Uh, that's the official position of this podcast is Cody doesn't speak for me.
1: <laughs> back to the subject at hand. Uh, Benjamin Ruff. He'd been born in eighteen twenty nine. Uh, he would involved in several business ventures, including Coke, not Coca-Cola, and not know. cocaine. I
0: know. I know. I know.
1: I'm saying that for the listeners.
0: What listeners?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. What listeners? <laughs> <laughs> there are no listeners. Nobody listens. Nobody's listening to this.
0: I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not.
1: Um, so, People do uh, listen. Coke, as in fuel for steel. It was needed yeah. for the steel-making uh, process. Sure. Uh, railroads and real estate. So... Your standard business practices
0: uh, at man, the time. He does it's so, business. It, it's so easy to be three children in a trench coat yes. uh, than to go through meetings and we become rich. We do business. And yeah. become rich that way. It's yeah. just like, all you got to do is just throw your money into one of these three industries, or all three if you want a yeah. huge payout, and then that's it. Yeah. And now it's like, crypto. And you're like,
1: Ugh. What? Don't I own, don't I own, don't own get started on tea, that, I know, right? that garbage. I'm,
0: all my money is tied up in stocks and I have no liquidity. And it's like, I didn't take any economics
1: classes. <laughs> um, I'm just going to be poor forever. Goodbye. Yeah. Anyway, um, Ruff was, he was well connected in local circles. Uh, sort of influential guy in the local area. Uh, so he buys this land with the intention of forming an exclusive club.
0: Like a hunting club?
1: Literally, he forms the South Fork Hunting and Fishing Club.
0: <gasps> that, because otherwise, why would you have a club?
1: Yeah. Out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, with the financial backing of several prominent local businessmen.
0: Of course, of course. So he wants
1: the, the area, you know, it's surrounded by woods, so you can use that for hunting. And they would stock the lake with fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, just to give you some of the uh, level of exclusivity of this club, let me give you some some of the members. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, james w brown a future u.s congressman so not james brown
0: why would it be james brown why are you looking at me with this big grin on your face like
1: that's a funny joke i don't know if this guy was as sweaty so
0: so you can't be like you can't have a sense of humor about rasputin but james brown you're gonna have a sense of humor about him Mm -hmm. the official position of this podcast is that cody has no sense of humor Officially,
1: <laughs> says the woman who's made two funny jokes ever.
0: I've made some funny jokes. Yeah, I think who our list two is some. I think our listeners would disagree. They would think that I'm funny more times than two in my life. Okay, three. I think greater than that as well. Four. Oh my god, <laughs> we're not going through all the numbers, okay? Oh,
1: we're gonna see. We're gonna go through all the numbers. <laughs>
0: no, thanks. Okay. I'm out. Uh, Anyway,
1: uh, James W. Brown, Andrew Carnegie, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, Carnegie Library.
0: Carnegie uh, Libraries.
1: Philanthropist. One of the wealthiest people to ever exist. Yeah, Carnegie Library. Yeah. Um,
0: I saw one once. It was kind of underwhelming. I mean, uh, I shouldn't say that. It was not underwhelming in that the library was underwhelming. It was in a town that is extremely small, and I don't even know if they use it as a library anymore. It's like, this was an extremely expensive... Really ornate library, yeah. and you guys just don't well, even use it anymore. Fast
1: forward a little bit, he would build one in Johnstown, and it's not used as that anymore. It's so used as a museum.
0: Oh well, so. <laughs> I don't even think it was a museum though.
1: Oh.
0: I don't know. Anyways, anyway,
1: um, this one was interesting. A man by the name of Lewis Simple Clark, okay, the inventor, uh, probably, probably one of the most influential people in America in the American automotive industry. He was the inventor of the drive shaft.
0: Well, that's important.
1: The inventor of the spark plug. Okay. And the guy who was responsible for putting the steering wheel on the left. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah. I mean, one of the most influential people in the automotive uh, industry. I just found that interesting. Uh, Henry Clay Frick. Another Coke and steel magnate. Um For you whiskey drinkers out there, you'll find this interesting. He was the grandson of the guy who started Old Overholt Whiskey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. um, His family didn't own it anymore, but he was the grandson of that guy. And he was the instigator of the later Homestead Strike, uh, one of the largest strikes in the history of the country. Of course, he was the antagonist of it, uh, so Hmm. to speak. Um, George Huff, another future U.S. congressman. Philander Knox. Philander? Philander.
0: Like philanderer?
1: P-H-I-L-A-N-D-E-R.
0: Why would you name somebody that? I don't know. Okay.
1: Uh, future U.S. Senator... Attorney that Atter- made
0: up? Hmm? Did you make that up? No. This podcast is full of so many made-up names.
1: I did not make that up.
0: hmm
1: Anyway, uh, future U.S. Senator, Attorney General, and Secretary of State, uh, John Leishman, another future U.S. Congressman, Sylvester Martin, who founded a company that would later go on to become one of the components of Nabisco.
0: Okay. Weird.
1: Or the National Biscuit Company. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Mellon.
0: Whoa, I never realized National... It was That's why it's called that.
1: Yep. Okay. Uh, Andrew Mellon, who's a future Treasury Secretary, and again, one of the wealthiest people to ever Carnegie exist. Carnegie Mellon, yeah. Yep, and uh, definitely a exacerbator of the Great Depression. Exacerbator. Yeah, because he uh, was just like... Throughout the 20s, he would be like... But honestly, probably one of the progenitors of trickle down economics. Um, the wealthiest man in the country is serving as the Treasury Secretary. Whoops! Yeah, uh, so that'd be like you know Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk as Treasury Secretary, <sighs>
0: uh, running
1: the financial system.
0: Well, rich dudes always run yeah. the. Run and he was show, like, so.
1: "Well, the way to get people's wages up is to lower is to you know uh, lower is to, you know lower taxes for the rich. That's the way to do it." And during the Great Depression, fervently against government intervention in any way.
0: That sounds like a Reagan move.
1: Yeah, Reagan probably would have loved them. Um, <laughs> He's then, like,
0: yeah, that's right. The way to the way to make poor people have more uh, stability in our economy is to not tax rich people.
1: Yeah, because that makes sense. Yes. Anyway, and other numerous steel and railroad railroad executives. So these are the members of this club, and uh, Ruff would serve as president.
0: Interesting. Yes. Okay.
1: Um, the purpose of the club, as I mentioned, was to provide an exclusive retreat for the elite and wealthy of Pittsburgh society.
0: So they could come and get away from the rabble. Yes. So we can hunt and fish and yes. do our nefarious deeds yes. without...
1: Make our backroom deals.
0: Without the poors coming to... Yes.
1: <laughs> only um, has
0: richer allowed. Okay, so the also the Carnegie Library that I was thinking of is actually in Bell Fountain. It was closed in 1994 and became county offices. And in 2020, it was purchased by a bank. And then I don't know if anything has ever happened to it. So it was just closed Hmm. when I drove by. And I was like, wow, that's such a shame. Because it's actually a really beautiful building. Um, And so many of them, like, it was, uh, it cost $14,000 to build. And here's a picture of it. Hmm. It's truly a beautiful building. It's just Really crappy that a lot of these either, like, burn down or they're used as, like, dentist offices. Yeah. Like, how do you luck into a Carnegie library for a dentist office? I'm kidding. I guess, though, in places like Koshockton and stuff like that, like, what else is there? Anyways, sorry.
1: Um. So to uh, establish this club, a clubhouse and several cottages were constructed around Lake Kona Mall. Cottages?
0: Yes. You said cottages. I did. Mhm. Cottages. Okay.
1: Yeah, cottages. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so several cottages and the lodge.
1: Uh, membership and club structure were kept pur- uh, purposely kept opaque.
0: Okay. Because
1: you know they didn't want any financial ties to it. You oh, know that kind of thing. So they
0: didn't have membership lists. It was like yeah, a ma- was like just- a Masonic thing.
1: Yeah, and, and it wasn't publicized. Like what? Like who was a member? It wasn't publicized, like, you know, really, their finances, like, that kind of thing. It's kept kind of secretive from the public. Okay. Um, the local woods, as I mentioned, had extensive game, and Lake Kodama would be artificially stocked with fish.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So they bring fish in to put in this lake for rich people to take fish out.
0: Well, I mean, we that's have efficient. that We have that now. You know, that's what a pay lake is.
1: I know, but still. But just...
0: now, instead of rich people doing it, it's poor people. <laughs> Poor people go there and pay to for the privilege of fishing in the lake, and then they fish yep. fish out and then eat them. Well, in some pay lakes, you can't even eat them; you have yeah. to throw them back. So, yeah. you can get a pre-fished fish. It's all like mutated. And, and stuff. here's
1: a. I have a map here. Uh, so that's Lake Conemaugh. There's where the clubhouse is. Okay, cottages be all along the shore. On the, the south, south side is up, of the lake. And the dam southwest. is up here.
0: So it's just to the southwest of the, where the dam is. Yeah. And okay. here it
1: is in Pennsylvania.
0: Oh, okay. That's further south in the state than I thought. But all right. Okay. Cool. Got it. So, Pennsylvania is a big place.
1: It is. Okay. So after the purchase of the dam, uh, Ruff began renovations and repairs to it. Mm-hmm. An earlier dam break in 1862 had led to a noticeable sag in the center of the dam.
0: <laughs> wow. This sounds like a real shoddy dam.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an earthen dam, so it's probably going to be more susceptible to erosion. Oh, dam, sure, sure, yeah. Like something like the Hoover Dam. Yeah, yeah. So, uh got to keep
0: up with that stuff.
1: Yeah. Infrastructure, Especially, guys. like, it, since it's been passed, like, between so many people, it's, like, nobody's really upkept or
0: been Kept up, up with, it. with yeah. it.
1: So, uh, rough. rough had no engineering experience. And like hired local businessman Edward Pearson to oversee the project. Pearson also had no engineering experience.
0: <laughs> uh, if we throw money at it, will that fix it? Yes. And then they're just like literally throwing cash at yes. it?
1: Here, dollar bill. Yeah. Which at the time would have been like, you know, a lot of money.
0: Yeah. And then it's like, well, sir, doesn't seem to have fixed it. All right. Well, plan if we B- throw more
1: dollar bills, they'll pile up and it'll be good. It'll be like Beaver Dam. <laughs> yes. Eventually it'll stop. Yes. Um, so these so-called renovations. Uh, the height of the dam was lowered by a few feet, and the top of it was widened to permit a road to go along the top of the dam.
0: How is that approving a dam? Making it lower?
1: So people can actually go across it.
0: Okay. All right. I'm not
1: saying it was an improvement. I, I'm saying like the rationale that they had for it. Um, so we can go across it. A net was placed over the spillway to prevent the fish in Lake Kotamaw from escaping. What? This could, of course, become clawed with debris.
0: Of course, yes. Because that's what happens in a river. There yes. are. I mean, even if we're not talking like trash or like, you know, stuff that happens yeah. during a flood, like sticks. Leaves, yeah. branches.
1: Just like the normal course of, like, water flow.
0: Yeah, and a bunch of fish will get caught up there. Yeah. Like, if I mean, that probably wouldn't happen immediately, but eventually you just have, like, a bunch of dead fish trapped yeah. in a net. That's yeah. nasty.
1: <laughs> well, per- periodically, they would take out to clean it. Oh, but, boy. But still, this is... Not right. It's because
0: nobody wanted to drive across this freaking bridge because it smelled like dead <laughs>
1: yeah. fish all the time. So the drainage pipes that were removed by Riley were not replaced, which you think they would have done if they're going to put Met the, it off, in the spillway off. Yeah. Uh, proposed modifications to enlarge the spillway were not completed as it would be too costly. Yeah. But remember, this club, the wealthiest people in Pittsburgh, yeah. sometimes, in some cases in the world. Oh boy so sweet uh, these so-called renovations led to the spillway being only about four feet lower than the top of the center of the dam.
0: okay yeah so was, what what exactly is a spillway?
1: Um, it's where like the like the when you need to uh, release water from behind the dam uh-huh. in case it, in case like behind it gets too full uh-huh like you need to release it in order to alleviate the water level.
0: Oh, okay. So, most of the time, it's, like, the other side of the river. Yeah. The spillway would be, like, yeah, just on the other side of the a, dam.
1: Another image here. So, on the left is what it looked like in 1853. And on the right is what it looked like in 1881.
0: Are these real photos? No. Okay. No,
1: these are, like, depictions. Drawings. Okay. Yeah, so you see, like, here's the spillway off the left. And you can see it's, like, kind of Weird. Active. But then okay. here, it's like it looks like it's almost like blocked off. Yeah, you, and you see, notice also, you can kind of tell the level in the lake in the left.
0: Is kind of lower, like
1: lower the, but up here it's like almost to the brim.
0: Okay, yeah. so the spillway is a way for the water to go around the dam and then reconnect into the rest of the, yeah. the waterway. Yes, yeah,
1: sp- I mean spillways can. I mean their design can vary depending on the location and the. Dam. So
0: basically, it's like there is a way to allow water to go more slowly from the top of the dam into the area that's dammed yes. off. So there is that, but then the spillway is like an extra. An extra ability to be able to do that. Yeah, in
1: case you need to, like, just release that. Evacuate. Water. Yes. Okay. So, Got it. Okay.
0: So the spillway, though, yeah. is... They're basically like, this is not important. Yeah,
1: and you see now now there's a road across the top of it.
0: Yeah, and, that, the, and the spillway is filled in so that that road can exit somewhere. Yes. So they're like, that's unimportant. So they have a teeny, tiny little spout at the very bottom. Okay.
1: Yep. Um, and as I mentioned... Water level kept nearly to the brim. Yeah. Just so there's more water, which means you get more fish. All of okay. these actions led to the near inability to lower the water level of Lake Conamal if necessary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had like that teeny tiny little spout mm-hmm. at the bottom. But even if you had that going on like full maximum power, there's no way. Yeah. It's not
1: going enough. And Ruff approves all of these renovations. And this is where he F's up. Uh-oh. Just approving all of these.
0: He's like, wow, this is going to cost us way less than I thought approved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're uh, like, we just moved some dirt. It was pretty cool.
1: Two executives at the Cambria Iron Company in Johnstown, uh, Daniel Morrell and John Fulton, were concerned about the renovations. Yeah. Because they kind of saw the problem here. Fulton, who was an actual engineer, uh, inspected the dam and issued a report in November 1880 detailing issues with the dam's new design. Mm-hmm. Ruff dismissed these concerns, stating that, quote... You and your people are in no danger from our enterprise, end quote.
0: Cool. He's yeah. like, hmm, expert? No thanks.
1: No, N- no, no. I'm good. I-, I think it's good.
0: I think we're good. <laughs> fine. I think we're fine.
1: Uh, Morell actually joined the club in order to advocate for change from within, mm-hmm. but he was unable to do so before dying in
0: 1885.
1: Palmer Ruff would die in 1887 and was succeeded as club president by Colonel Elias Unger. Okay. So, Ruff actually dies before the actual events of this episode. I see. So he doesn't actually see that he effed up.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, the other guy effed up because he died. If he hadn't died, then maybe things would be different. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, So, a massive storm hits western Pennsylvania on May 30th, on the night of May 30th, 1889. Like it does. Yeah.
0: And it's worse before the mountains because this place is just west of the mountains. So that means they get the brunt of... The entire storm system before, because yep. the mountains can't break it up and make it better.
1: Yeah. If um, only
0: you had built on the east side of the mountains. Sorry.
1: Uh, this storm caused massive surges in local creeks and streams, or as you would say in certain parts of Appalachia, local creeks and streams. Creeks. Creeks.
0: Ohio crickfish. Yep.
1: Uh, the Konamal River in Johnstown almost overran its banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colonel Unger, whose home was nearby, noticed that Lake Konamal was about to spill over the crest of the dam. Whoops. The spillway, as predicted, had become clogged as the fishnet had trapped debris from the storm. No. I know. Whoever would have thunk. A
0: net trapping debris as a net is designed to do?
1: Preposterous.
0: Yes. Quite preposterous.
1: Uh, Attempts were made to raise the dam by throwing dirt on it, it, but it failed.
0: Might as well have just thrown cash on top of it.
1: Yeah. Because that's um, what it
0: would—that's what it costs, anyways.
1: Unger had an assistant contact Johnstown via telegraph, uh, warning them of the danger, but the message never reached the town. Of course. At two fifty p.m., the dam finally collapsed.
0: No, the whole dam collapsed. The whole dam collapsed. Well, the whole, whole d- damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. Are you just sad because I made it to that joke before you? Recent
1: did. research has suggested <laughs> that Lake Conemaugh had approximately three point nine billion gallons of water at the time. Wow! It took over an hour to drain out completely. Jeez! Like it completely drains.
0: So it collapsed. So it, it's not yeah. even that the that the the water overran the top of the yeah. dam. It, it was just like not doing it anymore
1: yeah and then it's just like all right flood yeah um, several small towns in the valley were wiped out.
0: Oh boy a
1: 2009 study showed a flow rate of 420 thousand cubic feet per second.
0: Oh my gosh
1: for comparison, the average flow rate of the Mississippi River at its delta is four hundred eighty thousand cubic feet. So it's just a little bit slower of a rate the flow rate than the Mississippi River at its delta.
0: I've never seen the Mississippi River, so I don't have any...
1: I mean, big river.
0: Okay. So. Jeez. Uh,
1: In East Cotamaw, a small little town, the Surge picked up a moving train off its
0: tracks. (gasps) Oh my god, that'd be terrifying. Like, well, I guess I'm floating on this train now. Uh,
1: In Woodvale, another small town, the Surge hit Cambria Iron Company's barbed wire factory, the largest in the United States, adding miles of barbed wire to the massive debris.
0: My gosh! So like all
1: this like massive—it's not just water. Yeah, it's like trees. Yeah, people, houses, a train.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're uh, all just and and
1: now they're all just like wrapped up in barbed wire. Have
0: you have you ever played Katamari Damacy?
1: I don't know what that is.
0: So it's a video game where basically you are you like are creating this huge ball of stuff. Like you you are trying to make the ball as big as possible.
1: I have seen footage of it.
0: Yeah, this is like a terrible, deadly, awful, sad Katamari Damascene. Yeah, it is. is Wrapped in barbed wire and trains and
1: people. About an hour after the dam broke, the surge reached Johnstown. The surge was moving at about 40 miles per hour.
0: Jeez, man.
1: And crested as high as 60 feet in some places.
0: So, just so that our listeners are aware, like, imagine a wave crashing into you. At 40 miles an hour, like, how much that hurts. Like, doing a cannonball or belly flopping into a pool. But you're going 40 miles an hour, and it's not just one pool that you're running into. It's the entire river yeah. that's just washing over you. Yeah. So you couldn't have just stood there and been like, okay, I'm probably going to survive. Like, if you get hit by 40 mile an hour worth of water, you're probably going to die.
1: I'm reminded by a Ron White joke. Oh, God. About... Um, a guy, there's a hurricane coming, and he's like one of these crazy guys who ties himself to a fence post or something or a light or some sort of post. He's like, ah, I'm, I'm, I can take this storm. I can ride it out, you know. And that's fine, but if you get hit by a Volvo, it's not gonna matter how many sit ups you did that day. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. That's basically what it's like to yeah. be. In a storm surge,
1: uh, homes and businesses were picked up and carried away whole.
0: Also, like landslides happen at oh, the yeah. same time, so like there's a lot of moving earth. Um, like that thing that happened in Ireland. The it was on the Crown. I was in Wales. Wales, was, like sorry.
1: the coal mountain collapsed or something. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's yeah. kind of the same. So I mean, it's not exactly the same, but it's very similar.
1: Yeah, you're buried alive.
0: Like yeah, like there is nothing you can do. No.
1: You're done. Yeah. Uh, there's a one of the bridges over the river in the town, which is called Stone Bridge. Uh huh. Um, so it got washed away. Made of no, 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 no. It didn't wash away. When the mass of debris reached the Stone Bridge, it created a temporary damming effect, oh. which forced the rest of the surge into the town oh, itself.
0: No. Yeah. Oh no.
1: The massive debris at Stone Bridge, because remember, it's just like this massive like. Barbed wire and yeah. factory stuff. Yeah. Flammable stuff.
0: <gasps> no. This massive debris
1: caught fire. <laughs> leading to a conflagration that lasted for three days.
0: This is just the worst case scenario. Uh huh. Just like one thing after the other. Worst possible case scenario.
1: After the floodwaters receded, uh, the pile of debris at Stone Bridge covered 30 acres and was 70 feet high in places.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Imagine a 30-acre dump full of stuff. Yeah. There's just, like, completely unusable, terrible crap. Here's some pictures
1: of some of the houses.
0: There is a huge tree just on top of a house and then a sideways house.
1: No, like that, no, that tree is going through that house.
0: Yeah, I know, but that oh. house is sideways is what oh, I'm saying. Yeah. And there's just a dude sitting on it. Yep. Like, the third story of yeah. a house.
1: There's the stone bridge and some of the debris pile.
0: Wow! Yeah, it, yeah, like I was thinking, so much more dramatic. But I mean, it would have been dramatic to see this happen. But and this is yeah. probably
1: after it's cleaned up a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Um, and there's an artist depiction. Oh God! Yeah.
0: Jesus! All these people are just like, where do we go? We can't go over the bridge. It's on fire. There's so much water. Where do we go? They're yeah. just trapped.
1: Um. Relief efforts began almost immediately, but were hampered by the destruction of railroad and telegraph lines.
0: Oh, no. Uh,
1: the first call made by Johnstown was for undertakers and coffins, because wow. all sorts of dead bodies just laying Everywhere. about. And it's like, you got to get rid of those immediately. Jeez. Uh, one of the first efforts, or one of the first responders, was the uh, recently formed American Red Cross. Uh-huh. Like, this is the first disaster relief they, they take part in.
0: Wow. Okay. So,
1: uh, Claire Barton would remain on site for five months. Wow. Yeah. So, this is where they really kind of make their name, get their start.
0: Interesting.
1: Um, Over four square miles of the city was destroyed, including 1,600 homes. Wow. Um, In 2021 dollars, approximately $530 million in damages. Jeez. Um, About $117 million in donations came in.
0: So not enough to offset the damage. No.
1: And of course, this time, federal assistance. <laughs> That's yeah. laughable. Yeah. Um, welfare welfare was not a thing yet. Right. Or the, fe- or the idea that the federal government would do anything for disaster relief. So
0: here in, in Dayton, where the podcast is based out of, we had a flood in 1913 that devastated the Dayton area because we have a crap load of rivers yeah. <laughs> that kind of converge here. Um, there was a terrible flood, but then our local, um, magnet, I guess you could say would be, uh, John Patterson. And so John Patterson like spent a ton of money and a ton of time, and a ton of effort making sure people are okay, feeding them, clothing them, all that stuff. Did any of these Pittsburgh people do that?
1: Carnegie built a library.
0: Did he help with the flood efforts?
1: Well, he had a library, though. <laughs> well, library. No, but, uh, in all seriousness, I mean,
0: I don't think you could read your way out of flood damage. <laughs> in sorry, it's just
1: like uh, a lot of these. A lot of the club members did put together some funds. Uh huh. But like that one seventeen million, that's including that. Oh okay. Yeah, so like it wasn't on top of that. So
0: I don't know how much money he spent versus how much damage there was done. Like I have no idea. Not enough about Patterson. No, I was oh. talking about Patterson. But I I do know, like, personal stories of people who, like, had their relatives saved by him. Hmm. um, Because he would, like, drive... He had longboats. He would ride his longboats to people's houses and, like, save them and bring them to the NCR campus.
1: You know, for a native Daytonian, I know a criminally small amount about that flood.
0: You should go to the Woodland Cemetery in Dayton because they have lots of flood history there. A lot of people who were killed in the flood are buried there. Um, there's actually a very famous headstone about a man who was killed saving a family. And uh, later, the family and descendants of the family paid for him to have a really cool headstone put in Woodland Cemetery. So, yeah. We should have our own
1: flood museum.
0: We do have mm-hmm. a flood museum. It's um it's at Carillon Park, yeah. Dayton History. Um, there's a huge mm-hmm. section there about the flood. How long has it been since you've been to the History Museum in Dayton?
1: I don't know if I've ever probably a field trip when I was in school. Really? Yeah.
0: Oh, Carolyn Park's so cool.
1: The last time I was at Carolyn Park, I was wasted. <laughs> so
0: Why were you wasted?
1: Remember the beer trail thing?
0: Oh We had we had
1: like dinner there. Yeah and I but could barely that's work the, a fork and knife. <laughs>
0: that's a restaurant, not the park. No.
1: Well I man, yeah, doesn't whatever. count. Anyway.
0: We'll go to the we'll go to the park. That way you can get your fill of Dayton history. Yeah, there we go. It's, um, it's crazy good. If anybody's local, Dayton History yeah. Museum is awesome.
1: Um, anyway, Cambria Iron Company, the city's largest employer, was out of action for 18 months.
0: Oh, man.
1: So a lot of people now out of work for this long. but
0: They can't work. The yeah. factory's probably destroyed right now. Yeah.
1: So the human cost, 2,208 people were killed.
0: During, just during the flood? Yeah. Wow.
1: No like in the aftermath of it. Jeez. 99 entire families were wiped out, including 396 children. Wow. 322 people were widowed. 98 children were orphaned.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And 777 people were never identified.
0: Oh my God. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah.
1: Bodies were found as far away as Cincinnati.
0: Oh, <gasps> Because Jeez. the Kona Ma
1: eventually flows into... The Ohio River. Uh, either the allegheny or the Susquehanna and they eventually turn to the ohio river uh-huh so and as late as 1911. <sighs> Ew! So, they're finding this, bodies yeah, for years this yeah this was 1889
0: oh my god so 22
1: years yeah wow yeah this is one of the deadliest disasters in us history the wow. dead like like the deadliest up to this point yeah yeah um later on you know like uh, the 1900 Galveston hurricane. I mean, several hurricanes have surpassed it since the 9-11. Um, sure. So. Yeah. Um, on June 5th,
0: 1889,
1: the American Society of Civil Engineers began an investigation. Oh, boy. Their report wasn't released until June 1891 and stated that the dam would have failed, regardless of any modifications made to it. This has since been dismissed.
0: Oh.
1: Coincidentally, the president of the society... Was an associate of Carnegie
0: oh I see yeah yeah
1: the club was sued in court for damages yeah but were defended by Knox and his partner Joseph Reed who was also a member of the club uh-huh they were top lawyer top Pittsburgh lawyers sure so they successfully argued that the damn failure was an act of God oh and boy. had nothing to do with the modification they made.
0: so basically they the the people of Jonestown are Johnstown, hmm. not Johnstown. <laughs> the people of Johnstown were operating under the assumption that these folks were operating in their best interest as well, and that they would keep the dam safe because it's on club property. Hmm. And in reality, what actually happened is rich people did what rich people will do, and they completely copped out yep. and did not do, did not, you know, do their um, due diligence on this dam. And then a whole bunch of people yeah. died, and they're like, "Well, th- that wasn't our fault. God did that
1: yeah. to you." And even so, like, they didn't really have any of their financial assets tied up in the club. It's like, they pay their membership. And right.
0: That's it. Yeah. So... And that, and that,
1: and that, so there was a degree of removal from right. liability. Yep. Um, suspicious. Always yeah. suspicious. No one would ever be held liable for the disaster. The club kind of just quietly... Like, no, they, didn't, they didn't go back. Because mm. I wanted to... No reason to now. There's no lake,
0: right? Exactly.
1: The the fishing part of the club is gone. <laughs> so, we can
0: hunt elsewhere yes. where it's not so dangerous, and we haven't murdered so many.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, public, uh, well, as I mentioned, several of the club members donate to relief efforts. Carnegie again donated the library. Uh, the cool. club became inactive. Made libraries
0: everywhere. Yeah, not
1: special. Uh, it was quietly dissolved in 1904. Um, yeah. Public displeasure with this outcome led to a shift an American legal theory toward about liability. Interesting. Moving towards strict liability. Right. This means that even if a party had no ill intent, they could still be held liable in court for actions that they took. Yeah. So, like, previous to this, it's like, well, you had to be... You had to... Have acted. Yes.
0: Like, done a an action.
1: You're, or had, like, a...
0: Prior knowledge. Motivation. Oh, or yeah. Or something
1: like that. Yeah, you had to have motive... Okay. Whereas this, it's like a corporation could be held liable, even if like even if they didn't mean to. Yeah. If they were like being found criminally negligent.
0: Which is an important step because, as we know, living in a capitalist society, uh, corporations do not care what their uh, secondary, you know, no. effects are of whatever it is that they're doing. No. They just don't care. So whether it be a small corporation or a co- like a hunting and fishing club or, you know, as big as a conglomerate, if you can't hold them liable for these things, then they will just continue to do them because they're like, well, even, even if you hold them liable, they
1: still continue to do them.
0: <laughs> That's true. That's true. Because fines are only for poor people. Yes. So,
1: so That's so why they're going to do that, like. Make these fines large enough to where they can be fined out of existence. Exactly. But anyway, that's my own <laughs> two cents. Um in nineteen sixty four the National Park Service purchased the former clubhouse and remains of the dam to establish the Johnstown Flood National Memorial.
0: Oh, so there's a memorial there? Yes. Okay. Uh
1: the town turned Carnegie's Library into the Johnstown Flood Museum.
0: It was kind of like a stick it to you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Flooding has continued to be an issue for Johnstown, uh, with subsequent floods in 1894, 1907, 1924, 1936, and 1977, the last caused by yet another dam failure, but nothing as catastrophic as this.
0: Can we move this town? Can we just tell these people, like, hey, we know that you've lived here, and I'm really, really sorry that you have to move, but y'all...
1: Look, it, you've got
0: like seven seven floods.
1: Take a note from the Simpsons and just physically move the town.
0: Yeah, just grab it with a giant yes, claw machine. Put them
1: all on trucks and just move everything. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, the last survivor of the flood, Frank Shomo, died at the age of one hundred and eight in nineteen ninety seven.
0: Okay, so what you're saying is, if you're a survivor of a flood, more than likely you will live forever.
1: Well, no, because he died at 108. He yeah, but 108
0: is pretty old. <laughs> You'll live over 100 if you survive a flood.
1: <laughs> well, please, please uh, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Uh,
0: I think that he probably was, like, never stressed out about anything in his entire life. Because he's like, what could be more stressful I,
1: than surviving I, a flood? I, I survived out? a flood as a baby. I'm good.
0: Yeah, like, I never need to be stressed out about anything ever again.
1: Yeah. Um, A poem written by Isaac Reed kind of sums up everything. I'll use that to end it. Okay. Uh, Many thousand human lives, butchered husbands, slaughtered wives, mangled daughters, bleeding sons, hosts of martyred little ones, worse than Herod's awful crime, sent to heaven before their time, lovers burnt and sweethearts drowned, darlings lost but never found, all the horrors that hell could wish, such was the price that was paid for fish.
0: Wow, that's a really brutal poem. Jeez. When you got through the first stanza, I was like, jeez. Yeah. Wow. So, okay.
1: Oh, um, sources used for this, um, I used a couple, like I mentioned, like a couple of studies that were done about this. Um, uh, one by, uh, Neil Coleman, Stephanie Wojno, and Oldest Katkins, uh, Published in the by the Geological Society of America about the like the a lot of the numbers I had was from that, um, the National Park Service website for the Johnstown Flood National Memorial, uh, the Johnstown Area St- Heritage Association provided some statistics about the Great Disaster, um, from Ernest Z- Zabrowski, Perils of a Restless Planet, Scientific Perspectives of Natural Disasters. And probably the seminal work written about this whole event uh, from 1968, The Johnstown Flood, the incredible story behind one of the most devastating disasters America has ever known by my favorite historian, David McAuliffe. Which is why I told you my bookshelf bookshelf. would give you a hint of what we're we're talking about today.
0: Yeah, you've got a lot of books on there. I, I just see modern algebra every time.
1: For context, listeners, I do not actually own any math books. She is confusing that with a book called Modern Algeria. It just
0: looks like modern algebra. Every time I look at it, I'm just like, why do you have a math book? Because Cody does not like
1: math. No, math is is the devil. Math is evil. Should be eliminated.
0: What are we talking about next time, Cody?
1: We're going to talk about whoever invented math and how they effed up by inventing math.
0: I think that is like... I th- I'm pretty sure that modern math was created by,
1: like, in... The devil.
0: No, in, like, an Arabic country.
1: Well, that's where the algebra comes from.
0: There's a book called Zero. It's, like, the history of zero, and it's all about, like, the history of math.
1: <laughs> that would put me to sleep instantly
0: coming from somebody who regularly listens to history podcasts where it's just one person talking about history, that would put me to sleep.
1: Well, it's because you're not cultured.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He said, never having left his house.
1: I left my, I I left my apartment to come here. I I
0: left. Once. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Anyways. So what are we talking about next time? Uh,
1: something a little more lighthearted. We need a palate cleanser before we talk about more death. Oh boy. Um, Something that uh, involves music. Okay. And one of my favorite things on this planet, baseball.
0: Music and baseball?
1: Music and baseball. Some of you who know a little bit about baseball history probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Disco Demolition Night. What? Oh, you'll find out. I've never heard of this at all. I am looking forward to this.
0: Did you know about this before you started researching it for the podcast? Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: oh, yes. Oh, yes. This is... Yeah. All right. Well... This this has been an episode I've been looking forward to for a while.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, please don't forget to check out our sister projects, or mostly my sister projects. Uh, The YouTube show, The Drunken Pond, which is produced by myself and hosted by our co-producer, Steve, on this podcast... Um, where we drink beer and play board games. It's a great time. Uh, Attack of the Final Girls, which is a horror review podcast, um, which is co-hosted by myself and my lovely pod wife, Juliet. Uh, Three Minute Movies, which is a YouTube channel where I attempt to summarize and spoil movies in three minutes.
1: Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show so we can stay on the charts. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at WeFTOP. I'm Teresa. And I'm Cody. And this is We Have To.